Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. This morning we're looking at this series, this theme, Love Is. And we started just before Easter. And we did some survey work in community, trying to understand what the community think about love. And we tackled that with some really tough questions over the Easter period. And many of you who are here and part of it uh, will remember that we, we tackled some big topics. So this morning we're continuing with the theme, Love Is, and we're picking up on uh, the, this, this obvious principle that love is relational. A simple statement, love is relational. What a complex word that is, relational. Um, anybody in this room ever had any relational challenges with anybody in their life at all? Anybody just... Yeah, and the rest of you are not telling the truth. <laughs> we got a problem, right? The truth is, relationships are probably, outside of health, you know, and some, some profound things you've not got control over, Relationships are probably the number one area of pressure that hits human beings in life. And we know that as we've looked at the series that already that we talked to Overeesa about the betrayal and the confronting, um, all sorts of things around that. But we're just going to talk about the principles around relationships and good relationships because um, God trusts us with his love, let me tell you. God trusts us with who he is and his character. He trusts us. But the world doesn't really understand that. And so as we start this morning, I want to draw a reflection on what it means to love God. Is God somebody or something or some entity that we should love? What does the world think of that? What is the perception in our communities? And I've taken the liberty this morning of drawing down some bullet points directly from a website written by Marilyn Adamson, and uh, the, the article is called Connecting with the Divine. Now, Marilyn and her husband are leaders with CRU, which is formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. And she's the uh, person in charge of their, their website, everyday, sorry, everystudent.com. It's a good website. And that website is uh, used globally to encourage people searching and, and discovering faith. And they have over 900 people a day registering first-time interest in following Christ through their website. So that's the scale of, of what they're doing. A huge, huge missional organization. And Marilyn has made this observation about connecting with the divine. What is it to connect with God? What does that mean? Our community does not understand that really. It doesn't. It doesn't know who Jesus is. Um, if you do surveys on who is Jesus, people will give you all sorts of weird answers, um, let alone anything else. So what does connecting with God look like in the world? Well, I've just decided to draw down these, these five aspects of religions or faiths, if you like. Uh, and the first is the Hindus. What do the Hindus, um, what's their relationship with God like? Well, um, you know, there's an excess of 100 million gods in the Hindu world. Um, and they're not, some are living and some are inanimate. Um, so it begs the question, how can you have relationship with a deity that may not even be living? Uh, but it might be. It might be in the form of an animal. It might be in the form of a tree or something. Um, you know, it kind of, for me, it makes me feel like I would be a little bit isolated in a conversation with a deity that, that was in, in that form. 
Um, and in no way am I disparaging different faiths or religious views, um, but we're going to reflect on the power of who God is according to the Bible this morning. And so it's good to understand what people are presented with in their thinking. And you may have friends in your, mar- your marketplace, your workplace, your school, who are struggling with, surely every route takes you to God. It definitely does not take you to God. There is, no, there is one way to God, the Bible tells us, the Scriptures tell us, and we'll explore that. And this whole nature of knowing a relationship with God is important because there's a challenge around Hindu, Hindu thinking straight away because of, because of the, 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 the knowledge about multitudes of gods and goddesses. The Buddhists, they actually say there is no deity. Contrary to what some people think a Buddhist might say, they don't believe in uh, a deity as such. The New Age spiritual community, and there are people who are spiritually New Age. Let me say, when I was about 19, I went on a missions trip with Operation Mobilization to Austria. I took a team of about six or seven people. Uh, we were going with the express goal to find Islamic Muslim communities and share the truth about Jesus to them. And on a journey in Salzburg, we ended up in Salzburg at one point with a minibus and some tents and some whatever else, uh, this international team, and we found a team of people worshipping in the streets with guitars and praising, and we discovered they were New Age spiritual uh, people. And, but what do they believe? New Age spirituality, they believe that uh, they follow, they're followers who believe that they are God. Well, you know how flawed human nature is, you know, if your trust is in that position, I've got to say, I know my flaws. Uh, and, I, I, yeah, and you know my flaws. <laughs> uh, Muslims now, and there's a huge um, spread of Islamic belief around the world. But again, Marilyn Adamson says this, that they believe in a powerful but unknowable God. And it's, it's a big distance in there, and it's very defined by rules and, and what you must do in terms of obedience to those rules. It's a very different kind of thing. And again, I um, have spoken to many uh, from um, countries where they practice the Muslim faith. And every time I've had a conversation, do you have a relationship with God? Uh, they don't get what I'm asking. It just doesn't register in the way the Muslims I've spoken to think. Um, Christians, on the other hand, are, are here because of a very different approach to who God is. Christians believe a loving God created us to know him. It's a huge difference to these other world religious views. It's very, very clear. Not all religious practice leads to God. It doesn't. It absolutely does not. According to the word of God and according to the practice of having relationship with God who is a creator. And uh, we've been praying and singing about that this morning. Even Jesus made the statement that he was the way, the truth, and the life. I am these things. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not just a teacher. But he, in fact, defended his position as God, actually. He gave up his rights and privileges as God to be born as a baby and to grow into a man. So he was God who is man. And he is part of the Trinity, which is super exciting. Because not only do we get a relationship with a divine entity, we get relationship with all three elements of who God is. The Father, when we pray, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, the guidance to pray is to the Father. Jesus said, I've come not to do my will, but his will be done. He's come to do the will of the Father, um, but he himself, born as a, 
a child, becoming a man, means that he understands everything to do with what life is about. He actually has lived on this earth. So, so we have a relationship with Christ. In fact, he is the visible image of the invisible God, the Word of God tells us. So we see God in who Jesus Christ is. But then when Jesus went back to be with his Father, he said, I will leave you with a comforter, one who will guide you and strengthen you, the Holy Spirit. So we've not only got a a, a, a kind of a, a knowledge base, we've actually got this working relationship with all three aspects of God as Trinity. That is super exciting. And when you think that Jesus is described as the Word of God, the Word of God that we read, that book or collection of books, it, it shows us that we can have a living and active relationship with God Himself through His Word because His Word is a living book. It's alive. It's full of scripture that comes alive and, and we can encounter God through it. It's super exciting. So if you look at what the world is presented with in terms of choices, if we understand clearly the differences, we're able to help people to know how they can have a relationship with God. That's the whole plan of God that we would know him. So what does a relationship with God look like? And the scriptures are full of it, the Old Testament, the New Testament. But one of my favorite parts is Psalm 34. Just um, three verses almost summarize the, the way we approach a relationship with God. Um, it says, The Lord hears his people when they call for him to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Verse 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Verse 19, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. This is such a simple two sentence or three sentences, should I say, um, three verses, 17 to 19, of the nature of what the relationship is between man and God. The Lord hears his people. He's a God who hears us. He is a, an, a God who has ears that hear in, in a kind of image sense. Uh, when we call to him, so you know, he wants us to call to him. So as a God-human relationship, he wants that to happen. Where in the previous um, examples of world religions does that happen? Who, who knows that they're ha- being heard by God? Are people outside of the Christian faith actually aware that they're being heard by God? Do they know that? Do they, have they got an experience that, that says that they're being heard by God? And the truth is I've never come across anyone yet who could say, yes, I feel like God hears me. They just don't think like that. And so, but it says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And most people become brokenhearted because of relationship challenges and pressures. Now, there are other causes in life of pain, like death and, and health and other factors. But, but the, probably the biggest spread of pain in life is relational breakdown. And so brokenheartedness, you know that. I feel brokenhearted. You don't feel brokenhearted because you lost your car. It's typically because a relationship's gone wrong. Or you lost a loved one, or you, or or, or, a, or a marriage has fallen apart, or you've lost the, the emotional connection with a, with a sibling or a parent. You know that's where we become brokenhearted. Um, the Lord is close to people like that. See, God says, "I understand it." Uh, he binds up the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And the word behind "crushed" is like dry powder. And there are people in this room today. You will feel like your spirits are just on the floor. But more than that, you might feel dried out spiritually. You might feel absolutely like you know, powder, You're, like your spirit is just... But God says, look, I love you and I'm going to welcome you to me and I will revive you spiritually. 
That's amazing that God actually takes that on board as his responsibility with us if your spirit is crushed. So we speak, God hears, God speaks, we hear. It's a, it's a relational situation. Um, our challenge is that people don't understand this. And, and our, part of our responsibility as followers of Christ is to help people to know that this is possible and to help them to see how it's possible. So they read you like a book, a living book. They, they read your relationship with God through his word. And as you pray and as you rely on the Holy Spirit, it's incredible what's available to them and to us. And you can help them to understand how to do that through the word. How does the Holy Spirit speak to us when we think? How does temptation work? How do we make decisions that protect ourselves? How do we test God's word? The community don't even understand what it means to have a relationship with God, let alone all that stuff. And we are the walking ambassadors for that. Super exciting. Now, in our Love Is survey over Easter, or just before Easter, um, we looked at the love languages, one of the questions. Now, this is an area of interest to some, uh, but the one language that came out the strongest was quality time. And 39% of those people who completed the survey said that quality time was the most important language in their relationship with, with a, someone close to them. Um, acts of service came second, words of affirmation came third, physical touch fourth, and gifts, um, a very poor 1%, I've got to say. People don't seem to be too big on gifts in terms of the survey. But um, this really is about communication. Love languages are communication. And God is communicating to us through his word and in our relationship with him. But human beings have other ways of connecting well in communication. And if you have a mismatch of communication languages, chances are you're going to have a dysfunctional <laughs> relationship of sorts. We have to work and learn and understand. So, so do people struggle in communication? The answer is yes. Do we struggle in communication with God? The answer is yes. Um, I was speaking to someone in my family recently who's involved in a local school, and kids frequently around uh, the school area are saying that they are increasingly less interested in getting married because they see the poor communication and the poor commitment between parents. The kids in our communities are seeing that and they don't want to be connected and tied into something when the parents seem so unhappy. Now, isn't that a sad state of affairs? But people see the problems in communication all over the place. And you may know it. Has anyone had a difficulty this week in communication? <laughs> Has anyone today had a problem in communication? I'm telling you, every day this week, I've had to deal with something to do with communication in my life with somebody in some way, shape or form. The truth is we have to wrestle with it and we have to work it through. We have to make sure relationship is intact and do things in the right way. Otherwise, what is a pressured point in relationship can be a dysfunctional point that damages us and other people. So that was the survey. So how do we build strong relationships? John 15, 9 to 12 says this. Um, Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. There's a lot of references to remain. I'm not making a political statement when I stand here on the platform, but God clearly is a remainer uh, when it comes to his love, shall we say. Uh, I'm not talking about Europe, but it's quite interesting. But why is the word remain used three times? Because it's easy not to remain. You can choose not to remain. And you can make a bad choice if you choose not to remain in a relationship of love with God. 
And that model applies to us and other people. And so um, verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Everybody in this room, Jesus Christ did not say you can choose who you love. Show me from Scripture anywhere where Jesus Christ and the Word of God says you can choose who you're going to love. It doesn't say it. It, The command is love one another. Am I not mistaken? Love your enemies is in the Scriptures. Kingdom principles tell us that we have to lead our relationships through love. Now, we struggle with that because there's so much damage in the space of love. But our challenge and our call is to love one another. It's not optional. It's a command. A command is something God says, you must do this. If you're a follower of me, you must do it. Now, that sounds a bit harsh. Surely love just lets you do whatever you like. But the trouble is people don't just love. They tend to add conditions. They they tend to manipulate. They tend to put some kind of expectation on people. They they do things with agendas and there's conditions in it. The Bible doesn't talk like that. It talks about God's love being a command that we love each other in the same way that Jesus has loved us. So it's important to remain in God's love. Have we grown cold? Have we felt like we, we are choosy about who we choose to love? Well, we've got to work on it. So love is the survey. Um, we looked at another question about what causes the most damage. And the four things that came up top, first of all, was betrayal. It was the highest by a long way. Then selfishness, insecurity, and abuse. So what builds strong relationships? It's working the relationship through. It's working it through with a a purpose to make sure the relationship is good. It won't just be good just because you happen to like the same football team. And even then, you may not get on well. But the truth is, we've got to work at relationships. Now, um, I remembered as I was preparing this about the relationship between um, Theodore Roosevelt and uh, Churchill in the Second World War. That was an amazing relationship um, that was naturally worked on, and they they had a really close friendship, actually, during the war years. Sadly, Roosevelt died before, just before the end of the war, so he never saw the war settled out. But um, that relationship was very, very, very important because that relationship enabled stability between the allies against an enemy. And so they worked at it. Now, they met nine times during the war, and uh, according to Time magazine, there was an occasion where Churchill was staying at the White House, and... Um, And Roosevelt uh, went to knock on his door for a chat. And when he knocked on the door, Churchill opened the door and stood there in his altogether. So he was was completely starkers. Now, that seems a bit of an odd thing for a a national leader to do. But but Churchill's response was, you see, Mr. President, I have nothing to hide from you. (laughs) Right. Now, I guess yeah, that's not a common practice, but I, I know it's been recorded that Roosevelt said, well, now I know that he's pink and white all over. <laughs> that's what he said. But they obviously had a level of you know, friendship and relationship that allowed that to happen without offence. Now, don't people get offended in relationship? Now, I'm not saying that every political person can do that in our government. I mean, it would just be mayhem, wouldn't it? But, um, but you know, what builds strong relationships? You've got to get to a place where it's strong. You've got to build it. And I just want for a few moments to think about how we can build strong relationships. So if betrayal is the number one thing we surveyed, then we should work hard to to work against the idea of betrayal. And the scriptures make it clear. We can build loyalty. Now, when David um, betrayed one of his commanders and slept with Bathsheba, 
God challenged him on that. And in Psalm 51, uh, David cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit or a right spirit or a steadfast spirit within me. He knew that the loyalty in his life had been compromised. And he knew he had to work on it. So what did he do? He asked God to restore into him the ability to become loyal. And that's what we can do. We can build loyalties firstly in ourselves and in our attitude. We've got to be very careful about split loyalty. Let me tell you, human beings and relationships are complex. And when you take on one person's burdens and then you take on relationship with other people, you can be in a very dangerous place of split loyalty. And you have to handle that with great wisdom. Because if you carry someone else's issues, you could end up carrying something that nobody else is really that bothered about. You may be left high and dry carrying someone's issues that you shouldn't be carrying because you've got a sense of loyalty put in the wrong way. It's misplaced loyalty. So to be good and loyal means we have to understand not only the steadfastness resolve to be with someone and stand with them, but actually to do the right thing. And in relationship, loyalty requires the right kind of response where there are issues. It's a very big topic, so be careful of it. I was reading this week in the book of Chronicles, First Chronicles 19, about King David, who made this, uh, is the subject of this verse. And he was commander of the armies of Israel. And he, he was a friend of a king, an Ammonite king, who died. And if you read the scriptures in First Chronicles 19, you'll see that he says, out of loyalty to the father, I want to honor the son. And so he, he decides to send his delegation, his ambassadors to a king, Hanan, who's the, the man who came up, the son, and to just express his gratitude for the loyalty of the father. It's an honorable thing to do. But in that conversation, the Ammonite commanders just decided they didn't like this. They thought David was trying to spy out the land. And they created a lie in the conversation with King Hanan and said, these guys have come to spy on you. And so they persuaded Hanan to have this delegation um, shaved. So all the hair shaved off, the beard shaved off. And very, very, uh, in terms of culture, the wrong thing to do. They, make, they cut their, their robes to the buttocks, it actually says in the New Living Translation. And so you got these guys completely without dignity, and they just booted them off and said, go home. Now, that was so offensive to those men And that got back to David that in the end it started a war. And that war killed 47,000 men. 47,000 men. And what triggered that war? The lie that these men weren't there to honour, they were there to spy. That lie killed 47,000 people. And this is the danger in relationship. You may be loyal or not loyal. You may be in relationship. But if you carry the wrong thing and you actually communicate in the wrong way, you could perpetuate a lie. You may even bring in a lie that isn't real. And that's why relationships are so important. You've got to go to the source and do it in the right way. In this case, 47,000 men died because of the lie. Um, right in the era of betrayal. So they not only, do you get this? The Ammonite commanders betrayed their own countrymen by lying to the king about something that was an act of loyalty. Isn't it incredible? So they betrayed their own people. And that's how the enemy works with, with people. He's not interested in, in um, just destroying your relationship. He's, destro- he's interested in destroying the people. 
And so he will bring a lie into a conversation, bring betrayal into that conversation, and then inadvertently the victims are the very people that the commanders were trying to protect. Isn't that ironic? That's the pattern of the enemy through and through. So betrayal, we can tackle that. Make sure we build strong relationships that avoid the dangers of betrayal. Avoid the area of selfishness so we can build unselfishness into our patterns and behaviors. James 3.16, for whenever there is jealousy and unselfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. In the New Testament, the word uh, selfish is almost always attached to the word ambition. Because people actually have motives behind their selfishness that is self-serving. It's not just they have a desire for something. It's actually serving a deeper desire for their own ambition. And that's the truth of it. Deep down inside of us, there is a very big danger that some of the selfish behavior is really driven by our own ambition to be better than somebody else or to get one over on somebody else. It's the ambition that sits deep in people. Insecurity can be tackled by creating security. Proverbs 19.23 says, Fear the Lord. Um, uh, fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. See, God wants to bring protection and security. Well, we're his people, and our responsibility is to bring security to the community. Therefore, we've got to bring security and protection within our own community. Um, then finally, abuse. We've got to build protection. Psalm 32.7 says, For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. God's doing this for us. This is God's love for us that I will make it secure for you, I will protect you, but we have got to be careful that we actually live in God's love and we don't live in an agenda. Because if we don't live in God's love, we end up perpetuating the very thing that breaks relationship and destroys love. It's, it's a very, very subtle and powerful reality. Rick Warren says, Christianity is not a religion or a philosophy, but a relationship and a lifestyle. In other words, you get into the patterns of being very, very careful not to damage relationship. And we're going to look at how not to and how to build up. The core of that lifestyle is thinking of others as Jesus did instead of ourselves. Because the brutal truth is that where relationship breakdowns happen, it happens because there's something going on inside someone's heart that they have got buried deep inside them and it's working against the ability to have good relationship. It's going on. It's going on. And you're probably thinking of scriptures right now that remind you of that. So how can I strengthen broken relationships because there will be broken relationships in the church, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. The community is just trying to survive brokenness. The community is full of brokenness. There's brokenness everywhere. You don't need to spend more than 10 minutes with someone before they will tell you their story and it will be full of brokenness. I'm telling you, there'll be great successes, but you strip away some of the successes, you'll find the brokenness. It's in there. Our church is full of people who have come to know Jesus Christ, but there's still brokenness in there. And you know that. That's why we've got to be careful in relationship. So how can we strengthen them? James 4, 1 and 2 in um, the Passion Translation says this, What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? And you might say, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm a Christian. I wouldn't do that. Then why did this appear in the Bible? Because we do. This happens. And we've got to be careful. Number two, and all the time you don't obtain what you want because you don't or won't ask God for it. So our first principle about how to be strengthened in broken relationships or how to strengthen them is firstly, talk to God. Talk to God 
and do a true reflection of what's going on inside me as a person, you as a person. Do not go looking to create an agenda of blame in somebody else. You have got to take on board the personal discipline of ownership of speaking to God first through Christ. We've got to. And once that is starting to happen, God, search me and know my heart, is what David wrote. Search me and know my heart. Help me to understand what I don't even recognise in myself. Because if we go into broken relationships with agendas, you will end up doing more damage than you ever realise. Examine our motives and we've got to be so careful about carrying issues of other people that have nothing to do with a relationship that might be in a situation that you're in. Marriages can break down over this. Relationships in... You know, my, when we lived in Petswood years ago, um, our neighbours had stopped talking to their family for 30 years, all because of one piece of misinformation. And my father uh, went and spent time with these unchurched people next door and said, well, why don't you just talk? And after 30 years, just br- we've got this opportunity all over our community to bring reconciliation between people because there's a godly power in it, by the way. But we've got to hold this with great care inside the church as well. Because if we hold this with great care and we lift it up and we hold it in its right place, then we'll be qualified to help others work through it. How can I strengthen broken relationships? Second observation, take responsibility. Find agreement. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, this is Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2, in the message, so it's a kind of says it in a different kind of way. If you've gotten anything out of, at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favour. <laughs> Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. You see, you can't do anything without first finding a place of agreement. You can't. You've got to find that place of agreement. You've got to take responsibility for finding agreement and building. Now, some people will have been in relationships which have been terrible. It may have been abusive. And actually, by circumstances, you just cannot follow through on that relationship. And I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not saying that you should go back to a place of destruction or damage. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when we come to a relationship with God and then ourselves to do the right things in the right way, we've got to get these things in the right place so that we are stronger. So we're looking for that place of agreement to strengthen broken relationships. If you can't find agreement, you're not going to fix it. You've got to start with something you can build on. Thirdly, um, how can I strengthen a broken relationship? Matthew 7 verse 5. Jesus is very direct. <laughs> Try to see the full reality of the situation you're in. Do not make assumptions. I, when I was a, uh, a teenager, I used to walk my dog, Tim, black and white, Welsh border collie. And uh, I made this little rhyme in my head. When you're about to make an assumption, don't be foolish. Use some unction. What you say can cause remorse. So get your info from the source. Simple, but I've remembered that for my whole life. Why? Because it's so easy to assume that what you heard was the truth and actually was the full truth and nothing but the truth. The the truth is many relational things are casual, they're ill-informed. And Jesus said this, first get rid of the log from your own eye, then perhaps, it doesn't say then you will, it says perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Perhaps 
you may still not get it. In other words, we've got to deal with what's going on there, there, in our senses. We've got to deal with ourselves if we're going to truly be strong in relationships. Try to see the full reality. There's always a bigger picture and there's always another side to a situation. Beware of gossip, beware of half-truths, and be very, very, very careful about taking sides without full information. It's extremely dangerous. It is the plaything of the enemy. It is the plaything that caused 47,000 people to be killed because of one lie, which misrepresented um, an act of noble kindness from King David. And finally, how can I strengthen broken relationships? Tackle issues well. Tackle issues well. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 in the NIV says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice! Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. It is a, an incredible opportunity that we have to carry the love of God in our lives. You don't earn the right for God's love. Do you know that? It is given to you and to me freely to handle and to use wisely. To have a relationship with God and to make sure our relationships with one another are good. Looking for agreement and making sure we tackle issues in the right way, in ways that don't meet a personal agenda, but meet a, a, a way of solving for the good where there is a difficulty and a brokenness. God's desire is that relationships are not broken but restored. Strive for full restoration. And if we're striving for genuine full restoration, then it will dictate our approach to the brokenness. Right? It will not do it on the basis of manipulation or control. It will do it on the basis of God's love. Because God's love is so powerful that when we operate in his love authentically, his power and his presence come into the situation for restoration. That's why it says there, and the God of love and peace will be with you. If it's an authentic desire for restoration and you are doing biblically the right thing, then God, the God of love and peace will be with you. And you'll see the power of God come into a place of restoration like you couldn't even predict. God will line up everything that needs to happen because his desire is that the world see his love through you and me. And he's committed to that. So we've got to work with him on that in the right way and with the right principles. There's an incredible power at work. And I was talking to to Rick and Mary as they came in earlier. And Rick, who's an absolute man of the word, as you know, and desire, Pastor Rick, actually, many of you don't realize this, that Rick is a trained and fully commissioned pastor. Um, 1 John 4, 16 Uh, says in the Passion Translation, we have learned to rely on God's love. Now, I hope that lands. We've learned to rely on God's love in relationships. How can you love your enemy if we can't love a brother? How can we we go to the point where we we love enemies? It's, It's a difficult call. But somehow, God knows that if we can learn to rely on his love in us, communicated out in relationship to those around us and to our community, even our enemies will see God's love in a way that you and I can't 
produced just by talking about God's love. It's how we produce it in the way we do what we do. And that's why relationships must be protected in the body of Christ. That's why relationships are so important. Because you can destroy relationships just by an assumption. And just by getting one little fact wrong. Just by betraying one little point of truth. 47,000 people. We've got to work to preserve the unity of peace within the body of Christ. But this applies to everywhere we touch in God's kingdom. So God's placed you in the marketplace, in your workplace, your school, your college, your mission work. Wherever you are in the world, God's placed you there to show his love. And this is how we do it. You see, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. It's not. It's very, very difficult because it changes human nature to demonstrate the true and authentic love of Jesus Christ. But that's what we've been called to. It's, it's the golden rule, isn't it? <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's incredible, isn't it? But that's the challenge. But let me just remind us that attached to the challenge is an incredible opportunity to see God's power at work in relationship. That's why this is so exciting. And that's why I'm excited by it. Because as we wrestle with this stuff... You get the opportunity together with me to see God's love and his power do stuff that you and I could never do in human strength. It's going to happen. It will happen through our response and our activity in relationship. And we've got to practice amongst ourselves. That's how we do it. It's exciting, isn't it? It makes you want to realize actually we can trust God to a greater degree. And we need to. We need to stretch ourselves. So I'm going to ask the band to join us. And we're going to have a song now. We're nice and early. I'd like us to really reflect on the thoughts this morning. Um, to think about, about this. What's my relationship like with God himself? Am I philosophically of the view that there's any route to God? Well, let me tell you this. Jesus says, this is my command, that you love each other, but that you love God first. And he is the way to knowing the true and living God. So we have to make our peace with God through Christ. Let's make sure that's intact. If that's not clear in your mind today, then that's something we should deal with. We should do something about it. We should respond and say, I'm going to put that right. I'm going to make sure my relationship with God is real. It's not just a theory. So I can have this relationship to change my relationships. And maybe there's been some brokenness in, in your world. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a lot of pain. Maybe you're, maybe you're brokenhearted. God's come to restore the brokenhearted. Maybe you're spiritually feeling just flat out. There's just nothing left in me. I'm drained. I'm dry. I'm dusty. You know, I could be blown away. But maybe God this morning could restore your soul and build your spiritual strength, put his spirit into you and draw you back into new health. And maybe you're in a place of conflict and you just need to know that God is with you. And I'm going to remind you that God is with us. And as we choose to operate and demonstrate his love, his power will work through our own humility. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's exciting. So we're going to sing a song. Let's stand as Sophie leads us with the band.